1: God is from beginning of all time and he's outside of all time and he extends beyond all time and forever before the beginning and forever before whatever end we can imagine he is, he was and he remains God. No matter how old we get in the faith, no matter how mature we get in the faith, don't ever lose the fact of the greatness and the majesty of God. Don't just simply get into a comfortable rocking chair of religiosity and say, man, I found my groove and I'm going in it. I don't think God wants any of us to get into the groove.
0: John, wise and mature in his faith, encouraged the believers in the church by addressing them as little children, young men, and fathers. Pastor David teaches that each of these life stages is simultaneously pictured in the soul of every believer. You should come to God as a fearless child, knowing your father as a powerful provider. Like a young man, you should realize the strength you have comes from the Holy Spirit in you. And, similar to a father, you should never grow complacent or forget the wonder of your relationship with God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he continues his message, This is Just a Test.
1: That's the mixture that was in the church, both the rich as well as the poor, the slave as well as the slave owner, all of those within the same fellowship together. How do you get that kind of a group together? Only by the Spirit of God. Only by the Spirit of God. That call to love one another, that was an old commandment. Jesus had given that to them. They understood that. They knew that. But what had already been lived out in Christ and the disciples for these believers. It's new for them. They're having now to flesh that thing out, what Jesus had said prior to that. It's an old thing, but for them, it's new. It's kind of like if I came in and I said, hey, guys, we got a new car. We got a new car. And you're all excited about that. And after church, we go out there, and I go climb into a 1993 Nissan Altima. And you'd look at that and say, dude, that's not not a new car. That's an old car. Yeah, but it's new to me. It's new to me. So in the same way, this idea of this brotherly love, loving one another, serving one another, this is something that the church was having to learn to gain a hold on. John's laying it out for them. You might have heard this saying at the beginning of your walk, but you need to be certain to bring it into your current life, into your current spiritual experience. You need to start fleshing this thing out of what Jesus had said early on, loving one another. And again, John gives them the test. The test is a clarification, actually, of, I guess, what we would think of, it's a clarification of the moral test that he gave earlier Because it combines both moral standards and social actions, okay? Moral standards combined with social actions. In other words, how do I put the shoe leather on the gospel? I've heard that phrase used before. How do I actually put the shoe leather on the gospel? How do I live this out? And this is what John is saying. Look down in verse 9. John writes, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother you're still in the darkness. You're in the darkness until now, he says. Verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the light. There's no cause for him to stumble in him. Verse 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes need to understand, he's not saying, at this point, in in just this section, he's not saying you're not saved. What he's saying is, you're walking in the old darkness that you've been freed from. You're walking in the old manner of life that should be dead, and all things been made new. It's this case of opposing arguments or statements in order to be able to show, again, Uh, the direction that he wants for us as believers to go. So he says, okay, here's the test. Okay, you say that you're in the light, and yet you hate your brother or your sister. You're still in the darkness. Okay, this one here, she loves her sister. She must be abiding in the light. There should be no cause of stumbling for her. Why? Because she's not walking in sin. So there should not be this constant stumbling. Believe me, if you're walking in sin, as he's going to give a little bit later, you're going to be blinded, and you're going to be tripping and stumbling over all kinds of things. But here, if you're doing the right thing, then he says, they must be abiding in the light. There's no cause for stumbling. Okay, you're in the light. Next. Hmm. You say... You hate your brother. Oh, you've got a lot of reason to hate your brother in your own mind. But you have no idea where you're going because the darkness has already blinded you. You apparently are still in darkness because you continue to walk in darkness. You see how that works out in what John is saying there? It's a clear, very, very... Plain test to look and see. Well, I know he's a Christian, but you don't know what he did to me. Yeah, you can't believe what she said about me and I heard about it. no, there's no way I can love that. You know what? How much sin has Christ forgiven you of? Then where's our life going to be? What, where are we gonna oh, I Oh, I know you died for all the sin of the world, Jesus, but you cannot believe what he did to me. How far do you think that's going to fly? Not very far. You see, the test isn't hard to take. The answers to the test is what's so hard to take. Trying to live up to something, particularly when you're not that something. If I'm walking in continual sin, habitual sin, If I'm walking in continual rebellion, I know God wants me to do that, but I'm going to do this. And you know what? I'm not going to hear the Spirit of God. I'm not going to be walking in the light of God. I'm going to be stumbling in the darkness, and it's going to be evident. And it ought to be evident to ourselves long before it's evident to other people. John understands also that within the church, there are maturity levels. Even within this room, there's some that maybe have just recently come to Christ. Maybe some here tonight that don't even know Christ. You've never really come to that saving knowledge of Christ. There's some of you that have been in Christ literally for decades and decades and decades. And There's some of you who've been in Jesus for a long time. <laughs> The church is like that. The level of one's maturity and obedience to the Lord, it might be miles ahead of somebody else. And and a young believer might have greater struggles than an older believer in some areas. There may be some long-fought battles in mature believers' lives that the new believer hasn't even had to face yet. You see, it's all different. And there's some battles, the the older I get, I think, man, by this time you'd think I'd be over that. And yet, no, that that old thing, I'm still carrying around this carcass. That battle is still there. John, next, beginning in verse 12, he actually starts writing it in what looks like almost a poetic form. To some, they look at this and says, he's writing to three different levels of Christian maturity. But some have said, actually, he's still writing to all believers everywhere. And we'll we'll kind of take a look at that in a moment. But first, let's look at the passage. In verse 12, John says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. He's back to little children now. He goes on back to the fathers. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. That's just like what he said earlier. Then he says, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So you see why it looks almost like a poetic sense because there's repetition. He's saying the same thing a couple of times in a few of these. One of the first things we come to realize when we come to Jesus, he says we have to come as little children. We have to come as little children. We find the sweetness of, of having our sins forgiven. Then that last part of uh, verse 13, because you've known the Father. We come to know the Father. We come to know that he's a good, good Father, to borrow the words of that song we sing. Uh, That he's a Father that's full of grace. He's full of truth. We know that our Father now... He's powerful. He, he's powerful enough to cover us, to protect us from all harm. He's a father that deserves our respect and deserves our honor. And yet he allows us, even in the greatness and the majesty of who he is, he still allows us to rush into his presence, to rush to him. And even as Paul writes, we can go in there crying, Abba. And that's the that Aramaic term that says, Daddy and all the greatness of who our Father is. And man, that's just the understanding as a little child, we can run right into his presence. And then in the maturity of our walk, as we ourselves become fathers and mothers in the faith to others, there's that strong impression that we, even in the limitations of time and space, we actually have learned to have true koinonia, true Fellowship with the king of the ages. In our limited mortality, we've had the awesome opportunity to be able to walk with the one who is immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Even in our mortality, we've come to understand how that works a little bit better. We don't have all the answers, do we? I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. We don't have all the answers. And then there's those that are maturing in their faith. They're no longer little children, uh, but they're actually young men. And from what John is writing here, it would, again brings out that idea, man, they're still active in, in the trenches of spiritual warfare, and they're able to see, they're able to understand that they are more than conquerors through him who loved us. They are the ones that are fighting the battle, these young men, these young women. Yeah, you could look at John with that kind of an understanding of what he's writing, and that may be the cause. But bear with me for a moment. What about the possibility that John is actually, in all three of these categories, he's actually writing to all believers who are actively growing in their faith just as if they're one. Now, don't accuse me of adding to the Word of God. Don't hang me as a heretic, please. Uh, uh, We've got plans to go see the grandkids in a few weeks and they'd get upset if I wasn't there. But think about it with me for a moment. John could very well be writing to each believer and yet giving them a message, the same message from three different angles. Talking to the same people, but from three different ways. Understanding that When we look at John, John, as he writes this, he's an old man. And everyone to him is a child. You know how that is? Everybody, you know, man, he's really young. He's only 55, you know. Uh, But John writes this. Even here in chapter 1, look at these with me. Chapter 2, we read in verse 1. What are the words that he uses right at the beginning? My little children. These things I write to you that you may not sin. Then just a couple of verses down uh, from our current passage, look at verse uh, 18. How does he start verse 18 of chapter 2 out? Little children. It's the last hour. Further down in verse 28, we read, and now little children abide in me. Chapter 3, verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Chapter 3, verse 18, my little children. Chapter 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children. And then chapter 5, verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from American idol. No, no, keep yourselves from idols. I I get mixed up sometimes in there. I'm just wondering that maybe what we see in verses 12 through 14 is John just writing with the heart of a pastor To a congregation that he dearly loves. And could it be possible that he's writing all to the same as he writes, I write to you as little children. And I write to you as fathers. And I write to you as young men. We look at these as little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And guys, isn't that true that all of us need to continually be reminded that our sins are forgiven because the enemy continually parades our weakness in front of us. And as he continually acts as the accuser of the brethren, we all need to continually be reminded, man, my sins are forgiven for his name's sake. He writes, I write to you as fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. Oh, just that awesome reality that each of us need to know that in the midst of, of this temporal existence, Our God is from beginning of all time and he's outside of all time and he extends beyond all time and forever before the beginning and forever before whatever end we can imagine he is, he was and he remains God no matter how Old we get in the faith, no matter how mature we get in the faith, don't ever lose the fact of the greatness and the majesty of God. Don't just simply get into a comfortable rocking chair of religiosity and say, man, I found my groove and I'm going in it. I don't think God wants any of us to get into the groove. I think that he wants us to continually be passionately seeking him. I write to you, even as young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Sometimes I don't feel like I've overcome the wicked one. No, he says, you have overcome the wicked one. Guys, how do we overcome the wicked one? In Christ. In him, what? We are more than conquerors. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? You've overcome the wicked one. If you're listening on the radio or by a podcast and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have overcome the wicked one because he doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you listening to the word of God being proclaimed and declared. And you've overcome by being even here or by listening even to this message. But even beyond that, we understand that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. As the enemy comes against us in every arena of our life, in every facet of our being, when we fight against every spiritual darkness in the heavenlies, and we can still walk in obedience to our God, We have overcome the wicked one. We are victorious, not by our own strength, but by the strength of God in us, by the work of the Spirit of God in us. And isn't it true that all of us, as little children, we need to just continually bask in that knowledge of the Father, our Heavenly Father, his great love for us began before we were even formed in our mother's womb. That's the wretchedness of abortion. That God has purpose and plan for every life he gave heartbeat to, for every life he began. We come to him as children. We surrender all of our cares to him. We trust him to the uttermost. We walk without fear because we know that our father is with us. He's watching over us and he's keeping us by his great strength. You ever see a a mom or a dad walking with their little ones down a busy street? You know that mom or dad, they've got a vice grip hold on that child's hand. At least they better if they're a good parent. And that child is just oblivious. They're oblivious to oncoming traffic. They're oblivious to any of the dangers. They're just out there walking with mom, walking with dad. And guys, sometimes we're totally oblivious to what the enemy is preparing to do against us. That's why we gotta be close. That's why the koinonia, that's why the fellowship with our father has to remain, has to remain Strong, And as we walk in him, we're able to walk as young men because we come to realize his strength is what makes us strong. And as the word of God abides in us, we began to regularly walk in victory, overcoming all the tricks and the deceitfulness of the wicked one. Guys, do you hear John's heart in this letter? Let me kind of sum it up a little bit. Oh, my dear ones, I write to you to encourage you to continue to walk in the light as he is in the light in order that you would maintain your fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ, his son. I'm writing to you in order that you might know that you are his and that the truth does abide in you. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy or the promises of religion. Our God calls you to relationship with him if you want to know for certain that you have that relationship, do some introspection of your own life. Your love for others, your obedience to the things of God. It's only then that we can have full assurance that our sins are forgiven and that we know him who is from the beginning. And only then can we walk in victory Recognizing that in Jesus, we are victorious over the wicked one. Be strong in the Lord and let his word abide in you. I think that's where John is. I think that's where his heart is. He wants you to prosper in the kingdom's business. He wants you to thrive in your walk in him. And he writes here in this small little book, all kinds of encouragements, but also the test that says, man, just check, just check, just see, because I want you to know that you know there's love for you.
0: Pastor David has been studying three letters from the Apostle John here on The Open Word, aptly named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Each one reminds you who Jesus is, why you should follow Him, and how that's accomplished. You can learn from these letters and grow in your faith just the same as the first readers did. And if you're new to the Bible and to Jesus, you can learn all about the man who can save you. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die for your sins. He loves you more than you can comprehend, and He wants you to be free from what's holding you back. If you want to take that next step and begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we support you and we're praying for you. If you still have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. Here's Pastor David with more information.
1: Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'd love to meet you. So please come join us this weekend for a time of worship and Bible study here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can expect to meet some friendly people and learn more about your Savior. Directions and more info can be found at theopenword.com. Just click on the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. I'm excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.